Sounds like you are ready. Yeah, you guys take a beating. But I want to tell you, there is no greater church than this one. There really isn't. You know, usually you have to, as strange as this may sound, on holiday sort of weekends like this, you have to almost overcome. Like some of the worst church services I've ever been in in my life have been Easter Sundays. Because you end up with a religious spirit in there. You do end up with a lot of people who don't normally go to church, the Christers. So they have a tendency to kind of draw down the room to some extent because they're standing there like bumps on a log. But listen, you know, if you're going to take a beating, you need to be exalted sometimes too. And I wanted to tell you, listen, looking over this room, you know, as I was standing out here, I was looking at everybody worship, man, there wasn't, there was a few bumping the logs out there. You need to like receive the fact if you're saved, that you're saved. You need to like paint a smile on that face and be like, you know, what do you, what do you think that you're going to do when you get to heaven? Is here, here I was, I was singing your praises, now I'm attacking you. But this isn't for most of you, this is just for a few of you, as I was looking around the room and judging you. But you need to like, you know, understand that you're not gonna spend all of eternity standing there like a bump on a log. There's not gonna be some sort of religiosity there where, where you sit there in, in, in like some sort of solemn worship. Who's the, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, according to Matthew chapter 18, verse four? Those who approach him like a child. And some of you, you're just, you're very stoic and you're actually, it's not that you're stoic, it's that you're prideful. Get those hands in the air and worship God. It's Yahweh. You're not, you're not worshiping me or the church. You're worshiping Yahweh, the almighty God of Israel, who is worthy of an uplifted hand, who is worthy of a shout of joy. He's worthy. He's worthy. And those same stoic figures are the ones that you see at NFL football games who are face painters and chest painters who never should be seen without their shirt on to begin with, but are still have their chest painted. Same people. If you're gonna be excited about a bunch of people that, you've ne- that you'll never meet. Listen, I- I've got back in to watching football because they backed off their rhetoric and they decide to amp it up and I'll go bye-bye for another five years like I did before. But I've, I've been watching it and you know, I-, I see people, they're just so excited about people they'll never meet. We won, who's we? You have a mouse in your pocket? Who won? They won. Not we won, they won, and you went and watched them win. And listen, nothing wrong with being excited about it. I don't get too, much, I don't get too excited about it anymore. It's just pretty much just background noise and entertainment for me now. I don't really care who wins and loses. I'm like my mother now. My mother used to, I never thought it'd be like, I am a lot like her, but I never thought it'd be like her in this way. 
is that she used to just root for a good game. I just wanted to be close and excited. That's what I do now. I don't really care who wins. I'm just like, you know what? Occasionally I care. But on the whole, I'm like, just want it to be a good, you know, close game. But I see people get so excited about people who are never going to call you. Hey, this is uh, Todd Bowles, this is Coach of the Bucks. Hey, this is uh, Coach Bowles here, uh, Jim. What did you think of the game? Never going to happen. There's no we. Even former NFL football players, they'll tell you, they're out too. They played for a while, now they're out, and nobody cares what they think either. It's the way that it is. So if it's God, and he actually lives on the inside of you, and you actually have a personal relationship with him, is he not worthy of a shout of exclamation? He's worthy. He took a bunch of old wretches like us, sent his son, stealing this from Rodney Howard Brown's message this morning, didn't send an angel, he sent his best and died on the cross for you and I, that we could have life and life to its full abundance, that not only do we get saved and on our way to heaven, but we have heaven on earth if we simply pray heaven on earth, on earth as it is in heaven, gives us all things. And some of us, it depends on our mood, whether we worship or not. Your mood is nothing more than gas. That's all that it is. You can actually change your mood. How many of you never, don't raise your hands. How many of you never change your mood? I haven't, even, I haven't gotten the message. The message today is still on the instant. You're like, Tom, what are you prattling on and on about? I don't know. You must need to hear it because God keeps giving me stuff. How many of you never change your mood? Your mood is your mood. I just got a yep over here. I'm looking at the faces. Those are faces of conviction. When you wake up, your mood is your mood. If something happens to change it, outside of your realm of control, you'll change. But you never change it. How quiet it got in here. I just took Christmas right out of the room. <laughs> Christmas is gone, Christmas is gone. You're like, Tom, are you gonna preach a Christmas message? For 10 minutes tonight, I'm gonna preach a Christmas, Christmas message. Right now, nah. Nah, it's Christmas Eve, it's Christmas Eve day. Nah, we'll do that tonight. But how many of you don't do it? How do you, what do you mean you change your mood? All you do is start talking to yourself. That's all you have to do. You don't talk to yourself. Do you ever read the Bible? Do you ever read it? Seriously, do you ever read it? What do you do? You, you, you speak to the mountain. You tell the mountain to be removed. I do it all the time. I'm not a sunshine people, a person like most of you are not. And if you think you are, I know you've heard me say this a hundred times. If you think you're a sunshine person, that you're happy all the time and that you radiate light, you need to go to a trusted friend or relative that will tell you the truth about yourself. Maybe you are. There are very few like that. Very few. Very few. Travis is one. Travis is. Travis never changes. Pretty much. Always life. You know, Heather may sit and tell a different story, but for all the rest of us, it's a festivus for the rest of us. It's good. But there are very few like that. So when, for me, I get up in the morning. Now, as I renew my mind, and as life changes, you can become that. But you have to become mature in the Lord and crucify your flesh. So when you get up in the morning and you have that mood, you got that case of the rear end, 
smelly rear end, you need to start talking to that mountain and tell it to remove itself and be cast into the sea. And things will change. No matter what mood I am in, I start saying to the Lord, man, it's going to be a great day today. It's going to be a great day today. Well, you know, you can't have all great days. Who told you that? Who told you the Bible tell you that? If the Bible didn't tell you that, then cast it out. Who told you you can't have a great day every day? Who told you? You have a great day every day. All you got to do is talk to yourself. Talk to your mood. Talk to your carnality and say, nope. Lousy, wretched mood, negativity, nope. And I speak life. And I speak the Holy Ghost. And I speak joy. And I speak happiness into my life. See, a lot of you probably think because I preach hellfire and brimstone, that that means I walk around with ominous music playing all the time. I don't. It's the opposite. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's the, actually the beginning. Preaching hellfire and brimstone is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And then on, I build on that foundation, and I start, then what is our strength? That's wisdom. What's strength? The joy of the Lord is our strength. So I start to speak that. I build on top of the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of being smart. And that's what you do. And I start talking to myself, whether it's on my walk, whether it's in the shower. Right now what I do is I get up, and you, you know, I'm going I'm to probably speak about this tonight, but you want Christmas, you're going to have to sow into Christmas. This is just going to happen. So what I do, you wake up, no matter what mood you're in, I go to iHeartRadio Christmas Classics. You get some Dean Martin, Andy Williams reverberating throughout that tile in your shower. You better watch out. You better not cry. And maybe a baby gets some Elvis in there. All I have a blue Christmas without you. Yeah, like, you know. Listen, I'm telling you, it'll change everything. It really will. You're like, Tom, you're, what is this, some kind of uh, positive thinking message? Well, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. So you might want to be positive. Well, I've tried that before. It didn't work. How long did you try it? Everything else you try, you try for years. Some of you are fitness gurus. You do that for years. But you haven't spent 10 minutes per day in the Bible. You'll spend an hour and a half in the gym per day, pumping iron. And someone came up to you and said, why can't I have muscles like you? You say, because you don't put in the work. So if Jesus came up to you and said, why don't you raise the dead? What would you say? Why don't you heal the sick? Why don't you give sight to the blind? Your answer should be, because I didn't put in the work. He is a God of the instant. And it's time for us to turn process into instant. And in order to get to the instant, you got to go through the process. There's a process to instant so that instant is no longer a process. Well, someday I'll be healed. Someday I'll be restored. Someday I'll have a sound mind. Someday I'll be happy. Someday I'll be supplied. Someday I'll get over that pain. No, it's supposed to be now. Whatever it is that ails you, mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. See those brown, big brown doors in the back where Eddie's sitting? You can, you can leave without all of those things. Today. Oh, 
I've heard it before. Now you're already speaking against it. See how it is? That's your carnal mind that is an enemy of God. The sinful mind, the carnal mind is hostile toward God. That was written to Christians in Romans chapter 8, 7, and 8. The sinful mind is hostile toward God. It does not submit to the things of God, nor can it do so. Don't be hostile. God is a God of the instant. He wants you free right now. Some of you right now, you have that case of the rear end right now. I'm looking at your faces. I can spot you. Some of you are now trying to fake it because I'm looking at you. You need to let it go. What would it hurt to let it go? Name what good it does to hold on to it. Cease from anger, forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it tends only to evil doing, Psalm 37, 8. What, what does it hurt to just let it go? What if you were just to forgive this morning, right now, forgive? I didn't say you had to write the person a Christmas card. I didn't say you have to go, why don't you just let it go? Maybe it was something that happened this morning. Maybe it was somebody here in the church. Why don't you just let it go? I do it all the time. People are snotty to me all the time. You're like, do you, Tom? Yeah. I get weird, I get weird, I get weird stuff at that door about every other Sunday. Well, can, I, can I just tell you one thing? If Aaron would stand there, Aaron would interrupt and go, no, you can't. Travis would tell him, no, you can't. But I'm always like, yeah, go ahead. Some goofball told me something the other day, and Hope's just death staring the guy. Just death staring the guy. And I'm standing there like, you know, then I kind of let him have it. But as I'm trying to facilitate out there. But you just can let all of those things go. People, listen, people tick me off all the time. Just let it go. Let it go. Whatever it is, just let it go. He is a God of the instant. Let's launch into it. The message hasn't started yet. It's starting right now. 11.10, right now. You got that first 12 minutes? It was all for free. It's all for free. Yeah, I'm not even gonna require that you give more in the offering. It's all for free. You're like, what offering? We don't even take one, but it's in the back. We'll start in Mark chapter 10, 29 through 31. Is he a God of the instant or is he not? Let's look. So Jesus answered and said, assuredly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels who shall not receive a hundred, a hundredfold. Just so everybody knows, you want to listen to Jesse Duplantis on this. It is not a hundred times. Even though it's been mistranslated that way, it's a hundredfold. Just like 10,000 times, just to put in simplistic uh, vernacular, who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time. Houses and brothers, oh boy, I've stumbled on one of these prosperity churches. You don't read your Bible if you think that. You honestly don't. You don't read your Bible. Yes. Listen, as much as this church is hellfire and brimstone, never closed, never will, never vax, all those things, we are, but we are also a prosperity church. Because you know why? The Bible's prosperity. So we do what the Bible says. Do I lose church people because of it? Absolutely. Lost 100 people when I started laying hands on people. And what does it say in the Bible? In more than one location. Lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Christians left this church because we lay hands on people. Well, the people fell out. Well, how did Paul launch his ministry? On the ground. 
houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions. We're gonna camp on persecutions this morning. Because a lot of you don't have what God wants you to have because of persecution. You can persecute yourself, by the way. Number one persecuted Christians are are their own selves. With persecutions in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. In this time. Yes, it also includes eternal life. But eternal life is what? Whenever you see eternal life, everybody thinks what? Heaven, because you've actually been persecuted into believing that through false doctrine. Now this is eternal life. Now that's Jesus talking in John chapter 17, verse three. Now this is eternal life. So ought we not to heed to the definition of eternal life given to us by our Savior and Lord? Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So what is eternal life? Knowing God. Knowing God is eternal life. That's why Christianity stinks. Like I watched, to a lot of people, I watched the room this morning while people were worshiping. And I see some, there's very few, but I see some dead faces. And part of the reason why there's dead faces is because they've actually been persecuted. They've been persecuted into believing that eternal life is heaven. That's a stinky way to live when you're 18 years old. Now, we keep lowering the life expectancy in America. So you only got about 60 years to go when you're 18. You should have a whole lot more than that. You should have, over, you should have 102 to go. We keep lowering the, the you know, as they vaccine us into health. The, the average life expectancy keeps going down. It's gone down two years in the last uh, 45 months and 15 days to flatten the curve. So everybody knows. It has nothing to do with COVID either, by the way. Nobody dying of that. But people think that eternal life means heaven. It does not. Knowing God is eternal life because eternal life starts right now. One life experience after another. One resurrection after another. The constant infiltration of life. The loosing of life starts with knowing God. That's eternal life. Never ending life is knowing God. You are supposed to have all of these things. Who shall not receive a hundredfold houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and lands? Well, I've had this preached to me and I've never gotten these things. That's because you haven't put the work in. Oh, you mean, Tom, we have to earn it. Nope. What you have to earn is understanding what you already have. All you need to do is melt away unbelief. That's your work. You're not impressing God. You're getting to understand how impressive he is. How many of you have seen this before? You'll have a teenager with unlimited possibilities, unlimited talents, maybe even a genius but they just can't stop messing up their life. And you're like, why can't you see? It's unbelief. They can't see though. If that's them, then could that not be you? That you honestly can't see? Your work is to remove the blinders. 
not to impress God. That's why, it's, that's why you have Hebrews eleven six. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. It's not that your faith pleases God. It's that your faith unleashes God. It's got nothing to do with working to make God work. It's about, it's about removing the veil from your eyes. That's all that it is, so that you can actually see what you have. If we turn off all the lights in this room, I am telling you right now, trust me, as your friend, it is pitch black in here. Pitch black, you would not be able to see your hand in front of your face. Does that mean everything in here has disappeared? Drums are gone? I'm gone, you're gone, chairs are gone? No, they're all here, you just can't see them. That's what dispelling unbelief is, is turning the lights on. You can have all of these things in this time, now. But you're gonna have to put the work in. Not to please God, but so that you have revelatory knowledge that you already have these things. In this time. Our God is a God of the instant. Our faith is a faith of the instant. What do we have to overcome, though? What do we have to overcome? I've already covered our own carnality, which, by the way, is persecution. Everything is persecution. There's nothing else for you to overcome. Tom, you make this thing really simple. That's right. Your own carnality persecutes you. That negative feeling, everything that you just rile up against God. Right out of, like, like I was saying earlier, out of Romans chapter 8, 7, and 8, the sinful mind is hostile toward God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. It's hostile. That's persecution. That's the only thing that can hold you back is persecution. That's it. What about you know, sickness and all these? I'm going to get to that in a minute. That can also be persecution. Watch. What do you have to overcome? Let's go back to Mark chapter 10, verse 30. Who shall not receive a hundred times, now in this time, houses, brothers, sisters, uh, children, and lands, but you're going to have persecutions. So why? what's very interesting now is the modern church tries to be the opposite of the word of God. They try to live without persecutions. What happened to us when we refused to close? I mean, it, I mean, why would you show up at a church if you are, I can't remember whether it was ABC, CBS, or NBC, so I'll just pick one. NBC Fort Myers. Fort Myers shows up at our church Easter 2020 to videotape all of our people going in. The, idea, the Jaegers, you guys were on the news, by the way. You guys were walking in the news. And Fort Myers, congratulations. You're celebrities. <laughs> Why, why, would they, why would they be there? Because we were being persecuted. We, there, was, there was blogs or whatever you want to call them, websites, whatever it is, that were calling for our deaths. Why, why all this attention? Because we stood in the name of Jesus. We stood in the gospel of Jesus. We stood in the word of God. So you're going to get persecutions. If you want persecutions from inside the church, start to prosper. Drive up here in a brand new Ferrari. Oh, what's he think? Oh, what's that all about? You should, read, you should rejoice to the person. Well, I don't, think, I don't think he needs that much. Where do you get that knowledge from? Where do you get that interpretation from? It certainly isn't from the God who feels like gold is concrete. 
Are we going to pave these streets? Oh, solid gold. So you think that God doesn't like Ferraris? He's a rather extravagant God. You ever read about the construction of the temple? It's kind of extravagant. Ain't nothing cheap in there. Lots of gold, lots of silver, lots of bronze, lots of fine linens. And all the Christians think it's an attribute to be poor and to buy Dollar Tree stuff. I hate all those stores. I hate them. What a giant pile of crap. Unless I have absolutely no option whatsoever, I do not buy crap. Ooh, I got, I got $100 worth of stuff from Dollar Tree. It's $100 worth of crap. They build those stores all over the place. People line up to go into them. Dollar Tree, Dollar, there's one everywhere. Dollar Tree, Dollar General. The saddest thing is when Christians believe that being poor or being cheap is an attribute. It's not the Bible, so where do you get that belief from? From being persecuted? Either from your own mind, your own carnality, or from bad preaching that you've decided to listen to. You need to be very wary about what you listen to. A wicked person listens to deceitful lips. A liar pays, a, pays attention to a destructive tongue. So we always pick on the preachers. That's Proverbs 17, 4. We always pick on the preachers, and you know me, I pick on preachers all the time, every Sunday. But let me pick on you, or let me pick on people that are listening to these preachers. A wicked person listens to those deceitful lips. You know, put that mask on your face. Tell me, you know, it's just a mask. No, it's not. It's not just a mask. It's a, it's a universal uh, symbol of servitude. What do they do in the Islamic faith? You women, you get your face covered. You will submit. They'll cover your face. And all the Christians, oh, we can't stand Islam. You are Islamic. You got the 2021, 2022, 2020 swastika on your face. Not me. Not ever. Tommy, you willing to like go to the stocks over this? You willing to die? Absolutely willing to die. I'm not standing six feet apart. I'm not buying an electric vehicle. That's just the next thing. I'm not. So persecutions may come my way, but so do lands and houses in this time. Matter of fact, it's a good qualifier for you. I never lack. Lots of Christians who get no persecutions live in lack. I never lack. And I'm always being persecuted. There's always somebody against me. Some of them have been sitting in this room probably, called up the church. I just don't understand what. Just don't worry about it. Unless I'm preaching that there's another way outside of Jesus, don't worry about it. Unless I'm preaching something that's antithetical, well, it's just not the way that I. If, if you start off with, if it's not the way that I, it's not the way that I. Why don't you bring a Bible verse? Nobody ever brings Bible verses to me. Never. Never. It's always, well, what I think. Nobody cares what you think. Nobody cares what I think either, by the way. If they did, you're like, Tom, people come and listen to you preach. I get it. 
Nobody does anything I counsel them to do, though. I'm like, why do you go to Heather, sign up to get counseling from me, sit in there and let me berate you for an hour, and then do nothing? Why don't you, why don't you just stay at home if you're not gonna do what I tell you to do? So, listen, nobody, nobody cares what I think either. So don't think I'm being haughty. I'm just telling you, follow the word. Get into the word of God. Stop looking to be offended that you're persecuting yourself. But these things will come with persecutions. You're gonna stand out. But if you stand out, now what happened to all the churches that masked? And listen, I keep, I, I, you're like, Tom, this is over. You don't, you're not paying attention if you think it's over. You're not paying attention. You're really not paying attention. I could show you, this isn't the podcast. You want all that information? Saturday, Thursday, Tuesday of this week. It's all right there. Go back and watch it. If you think it's over, it's not. But I like to bring back these memories so people don't forget. Pull back, you can, listen, a lot of these churches are dumb enough to have left that stuff on Facebook. If I was them, I would delete it every, I would have deleted my whole Facebook page started over again. <laughs> they got pictures of themselves sitting in an auditorium this size in what I call COVID clumps. Jeff Tomas used to send me pretty much weekly photos of local churches doing this just to stir me up and make me madder than I already was. I already was a hornet's nest. And Jeff comes in there with a stick. <laughs> Why? Because it's pathetic. Judgment begins at the house of God, 1 Peter 4, 17. I expect the world to do that. Not the church. You're a joint heir with Jesus Christ, and you're going to sit in a COVID clump because of a 99.9% survival virus? You're either, you're either being destroyed for lack of knowledge because you believe it's the second coming of the bubonic plague or you're a coward or you don't stand in the word. Those are your only options. Or you can have D, all of the above. That's not standing in the word of God. It's a disgrace for a Christian to not stand in the word of God. Why didn't they? They were afraid of the societal consequences of it. What if we don't? People will leave. Listen, 30 to 40% of this church left. They left because I was mean. I was killing grandma. I wouldn't stand six feet apart. I wouldn't take seven vaccinations. That's what they're on now, by the way. Number seven. Number seven. They want to get you up to 57. We should have, we should have learned. I mean, it's amazing to me. I don't mean to get off into all this, but... We should have learned by history. If you don't learn from it, you're doomed to. Okay, when they inject the black population with syphilis, we ought to have learned. And just let all those brothers and sisters, brothers mainly die of that horrible disease. We ought maybe to learn that maybe we ought not to take their vaccines. Oh, but Pfizer's righteous? How are any, why, what, what makes any of these people righteous? And why is God's body not perfect to fight off disease? And even if your body doesn't do it, Jesus said, I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. 
Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why don't you just stand and start binding? I don't, I, don't, I don't take any of those worthless things. I just bind. I don't want it, I bind it. I ain't getting it. Are persecutions the only thing we have to overcome? Yes! No, I, I, I've had some depression. That's persecution. It's your own carnality persecuting you. I've had anxiety attacks. That's persecution. It's your own carnality persecuting you. It is the, listen, it's very easy. And I'll, I'll even make it easier. Especially if you're a mature Christian, the only thing you ever have to overcome is persecution. I'll explain. But Tom, I've seen Christians destroyed by poverty. Well, let me see here, hold on a second. Three, through the 300, red light, right? Red light, right, thank you, Bruce. To the 311 people that are watching right now, I love you guys. God bless you. Welcome to your church. Welcome to your church. I keep meaning to talk to you. We love you. We appreciate you. Don't go anywhere else because all the rest of the churches stink. Unless you live in Pittsburgh with Jonathan Shuttlesworth or Tampa with Rodney Howard Brown or, or uh, Alberta with Archer Pulaski, maybe Greg Locke in Georgia. Everybody else stinks. There are exceptions. But I don't know who they are. Because <laughs> they all closed, they all masked, they all shut down, they all pimped and hoard vaccines from their pulpits, and they never said they were sorry. I'll forgive anybody for anything you say you're sorry. Seriously. And I've told you this a bunch of times. I've had to learn, when, you're, when you have a tendency to behave as stupidly as I have, you have to become a master of apology. And if I want forgiveness, then I have to forgive. Amen. And some of, listen, some of you, you really need to learn to apologize. Amen. But if you go to a church that has never come out and said those vaunted three words, I was wrong. After they closed down, masked. <laughs> those videos, you need to show them. I need to show them. I need to just bring them up and put them on the screen. Of horn players on church stages with their masks on with a slit cut in them so they can play their horn with I'm no longer a slave to fear written on their mask. You go to a church like one of the 311 that are watching right now, don't ever go back. Stay with us. I never would have preached this 45 months of 15 days to flatten the curve ago, but I'm preaching it now. You're better off being with us online than going to those compromising churches. All they do is make you worse. <laughs> Jeff told me one, Jeff Tomas, wave at everybody, Jeff. Jeff Tomas said, they, they tried, they tried to go to a church that was right down when they first moved here. They tried to go to a church that was right down the road. It's what, over a decade ago now, right? They tried to go to a church that was right down the road from them. Because they're like, you know what, it's so convenient. And I think they gave it more than, more than one opportunity and more opportunity than they normally would. Because they're like, you know, it's right here. And they like saw us or something like that and we're like, okay, that church is probably better for us, but this one's right here. And we were 30 minutes away. And they tried and Jeff said, I just felt like every time I went there, something had been stolen from me. Don't go to the wrong church. You, listen, you may be bothered right now sitting in here or watching. That's exactly where you need to be. You should wonder, what on earth is gonna come out of that guy's mouth? 
You should be nervous. That's good. I won't attend another church that I'm not nervous at. That's why I go to every conference at the river, because I'm nervous when I go in there. What's he going to do? Is he going to call me up there? But Tom, you're saying persecution is it, but I've seen Christians destroyed by poverty, you might say. I've seen them destroyed by disease, infirmity, lack of knowledge, bad marriages, stupidity, depression, anxiety. You've seen them destroyed by those things. All of those are persecutions. They had or have all of those things before they were saved, prior to salvation, or they never got strong enough to bind them out of their life after salvation or get rid of them. They never got strong enough to get rid of them out of their life. Tom, you're telling me that disease is persecution? Yes, from a fallen world. God wants no part of it. God has used this to humble me. God is not God. God does not use the curse. It's like everybody talks about democracy, 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 and they're using totalitarianism to uphold democracy. We gotta save our democracy. How are you gonna save your democracy? By weaponizing the DOJ? That's gonna save democracy. You're welcome. Some of you are like, man, I can't, I can't take the politics. It's not politics. I'm not, telling you, I'm, not, I'm not telling you to vote for. I can tell you if you vote for people who slaughter the unborn, Get ready to answer to an angry God. He said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. You want want to vote for that? 1.2 million butchered in the womb every year in America that we know about, and that's without New York and California reporting, the number one and number two abortion states in the country. 41.2 million, according to UN stats, butchered in the womb every year worldwide. You talking about COVID? Number one cause of death in the black community, 400 plus thousand per year. Put on the corner of every urban center in America by the party that most of them vote for. With me, I get called a racist all the time. I don't know why. But, I get called, but for me, nobody dies. Nobody dies. I want everybody alive. Nobody dies with me. I get called a racist by the murderers. All of this disease, infirmity, lack of knowledge, poverty is all persecution. And all you have to do is defeat it. It will try to come your way you can beat it. You can. Hebrews 5, 12 through 14. In fact, though by this time, you ought to be teachers. Remember, these people, Christians I'm talking about, never became strong enough to to not receive those calamities or to get rid of them if they got saved with them. Say they got saved with anxiety and depression. God's given you power, love, and soundness of mind. So why are you still depressed and full of anxiety? Because you never got mature enough. Didn't pump iron. Prayer, Bible study, worship, fellowship every day. You can't miss. 
Most, a lot of you in this room, you'll never miss the gym. That you rarely ever pray. You, ne- you, you never miss socializing with people or scrolling on your phone, but you don't pray. Oh, I pray, I pray. You know, I go to sit down in front of my Big Mac and I say, Lord, thank you for this Big Mac. This is the greatest thing I've ever had. Thank you, Lord, for it. May I have another? Thank you. That's not prayer. Prayer is what? Matthew chapter six, verse six. When you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut the door, pray to your father who is in the secret place. And your father who sees the secret rewards you openly. In the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. In reverse order, that's Mark 135 and Matthew 6, 6. That's prayer. A lot of, lot, lot of us, you know, I know you've heard this the last three weeks, we can't, we can't be alone and we can't have nothing on. Can't, we can't take the silence. You know why? Look at me, you know why? Because you've been persecuted into that. You've been brainwashed into thinking, I have to always have something going on when your mind wants the rest. Let us make every effort to enter that rest. Where do you get that from? Hebrews chapter four, verse 11. Of God, to know and experience it for ourselves. So that no one will fall by following the same example of disobedience as those who died in the wilderness. You gotta go after the rest of God. You shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all your heart. Not because you're earning it, but because you're crucifying the flesh and able to see. Enter that rest of God, to know and experience it for ourselves. I talk to myself all the time. Tom, you're weird, I agree, but I still talk to myself all the time. No, I will say, or yes, I will say, all the time. That's obedience. Say to the mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and it will be done. Don't just amen it, say it. What's the mountain? Maybe you have a lousy marriage right now. You get up in the morning, and you get, you get in that shower and you start talking to your marriage. Yeah, my husband's in the other room. I don't care what he thinks. He'll be scared of God. Holy Ghost, I welcome you into this marriage. Have your way, Lord. Have your way. Start speaking in tongues. People think tongues are for the believer. You don't read your Bible. They're actually for the unbeliever. People don't read the Bible. Christians have no idea what's in the Bible. It's like most Americans have no idea what's in the Constitution. None. That's why they're so easily manipulated. So easily manipulated. And you know that I was a cop from 1992 to 2017. It's right here, Sarasota County Sheriff's Office. But I won't just do what cops tell me to do either. Can I search you? No. I've been pulled over a bunch of times. I have. I'm a wretched speeder. But I know my rights. I know my rights. And I love, listen, I don't like federal cops. I love local cops, sheriff's officers. I do, I do. They have a, a, great, a great purpose. Obviously, I believe in it. But I know my rights. And I will say yes, or I will say no. And it's the same thing it is with Christianity. 
I get up and I got a case of the rear end, I know my rights. And Nehemiah 8.10 says, the joy of the Lord is my strength, so I'm gonna unleash that in my life. That's my rights. Well, I, I just wanna be lowly and, and, and you know, under the devil's feet. All right, well, that's not Christianity, though. Understand it's demonic, what you're doing. Your lowliness, your brokenness is demonic. There's godly brokenness and there's demonic brokenness. Giving up is demonic. Yielding to the Lord is gospel. So people allow these things into their life or they never get strong enough to get rid of them or they existed prior to their salvation. Hebrews 5, 12 through 14. You probably thought I forgot that, I didn't. In fact, though, by this time, you ought to be teachers. You're not pumping iron. You're not pumping iron. Why can't I bench press 300 pounds? You know, it's so, it's so, it's so funny because even though I haven't weightlifted really for two years, I can still go out there right now and put 225 out there and rep that thing right now because I put the I'm in a long time ago. You're like, how do you know? I know. I've tried. I can do it. I'm going out there. I have it in my garage. Muscle's already there. It's in place. In fact, though, by this time, you ought to be teachers. That doesn't sound very sweet that Paul's writing here. You need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. You ever hear this in churches? If you don't hear this at your church, you're attending the wrong one, and you better, you're better off watching us online. You're just trying to recruit Tom. I'm not trying to recruit anything or anybody. I want Christians to actually hear the Bible. So many people, once saved, always saved. Who, where'd you hear that from? Every, everybody thinks, you know what, I, I said a sinner's prayer when I was nine years old. I'm all set. That's not what the Bible says. It says he that endures until the end will be saved. In more than one location. Matthew 24, 13. Matthew 10, 22. He who endures until the end will be saved. And if we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. Who's that? That's in Hebrews 2, 10, 26, and 27. Sorry to blow up your theology. Your theology should be the Bible. That's how you're going to be judged. Not by the Baptist church. Not by Foundation Church, not by Charles Stanley, not by Tom Lipley. You'll be judged by the word of God and what it says, and did you adhere to it? You need milk, not solid food, because you're not putting in the time. Tom, I don't have the time. Then change your life and get, make the time. Amen. You have the time, you're just not prioritizing. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness, is not acquainted with the teaching about how to be right. How to be correct, how to be godly, how to be right in the eyes of God if you live on milk. Love, 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 grace, love, grace, love, grace, grace, love, grace, love, grace. <laughs> and most people, they preach love and grace and they have no cognitive understanding via the word of God of what is love or what is grace. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no 
to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age. Titus 2, 11 and 12. The grace doesn't say go sin. It teaches us to say no to sin. So if you're living a life where you're saying grace enables me to sin, understand that's demonic grace. Just like if a love for you is truth avoidance. You know, now that we're having holiday gatherings, it's like Aaron knows what's coming. You're having holiday gatherings and you've got a trans person that's part of your family. And listen, I'm not gonna start fights. You probably think this guy starts fights. All right, wait a minute, I do start fights. I don't look to start fights. Does that make sense? I don't look to start them. So if I have like a trans person, or um, I'll take, I'll get it all, we'll go, we'll, we'll use all forms of sin. Trans person, or just a relative who's living with their boyfriend. There we go, right? Okay, there we go. Now, when I come in the room, I don't walk up to both of them and say, hey, you know what? You know, you know who I am, right? Tom Lapley, Pastor Foundation Church. <laughs> all of you are going straight to hell. But if they try to press their agenda on me, they're going to hear it. But we are going to heaven, Tom. Oh, really? Here come the Bible verses. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. I've got more. We can go, that, that's, that's 1 Corinthians 6, 9, and 10. We can go Galatians 5, 19 through 21. There's more listed. We can go Revelation 21 through 8. We're at Revelation 21, 8. There's more listed. Want to go there? I will unfurl that if you press your agenda. You want to sit there like the rest of us? As I go, if I go to a family gathering, I don't, just, I don't just force everything on anybody. I don't say a word. You're like, you have to. I've seen your podcast. I don't. I don't. They don't want to know? Fine. I don't force it. They don't force it. But do you want to force it? I'll be honest with you. Now you're right up my alley. You want trouble? You've come to the right place. You're right up my alley now. We'll talk. And you better be well informed. But solid food, Hebrews chapter five, verse 14, is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Most Christians believe what is evil is good. And what is good is evil. What I just preached about sin is considered to be sin in most churches. Gospel preaching about sin is sin in most churches and antithetical to love in most churches. When it's the word of God, and the word of God is Jesus, Jesus is God, and God is love, so the word is love. Distinguishing between good and evil. Let's camp there. Wow, it's already 1147. Whew. Kind of a big deal, right? The solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. 
Can you, let me ask you this. Can you do that? There's lots of people in here that can. There's better Christians in this room than me. You're just forced to listen to me preach, you, preach to you. It's God making you, so that's it. Sorry, he hasn't released you. You're stuck here. It, and it, listen, if you leave, if you leave, understand you're wasting a decade of your life. Yeah. You're gonna go to a bunch of other churches. God's called you here. But you're too mean, Tom. That's not, that's not your business. God wants to change me, he'll change me. And by the way, if you really actually know me personally, I'm not mean at all. I'm actually kind of quiet. Yeah, jolly good fellow, jolly. I'm like, Santa, I'm like Santa Claus. I'm like Santa Claus. I really am, I consider myself Santa Claus. Why is it that I always get the fat guy, though? That's the whole thing. So I, that's what Hope, Hope, I was imitating Elvis one time, and Hope called me Fat Elvis. Not regular Elvis, Fat Elvis. Yeah, he had really gorgeous, handsome Elvis, and then, you know, towards the latter years, not, you know, not so gorgeous. And that's what she called me. I was singing like, I'm caught in a trap. You sound like Fat Elvis. That's what she said. Explain. Thank you, dear. No, I don't know the explanation. Is there an explanation behind you calling me Fat Elvis? Oh. And she took away all my cookies. That I'm making up. <laughs> so do we have the ability to distinguish good from evil? If you are constantly in training, yes. What's training? Prayer, Bible study, worship, fellowship. Seven days a week, you'll be the happiest you've ever been. If you actually turn off devices and you do that, and you become less busy, remove your children from electronic boat practice. Let me, just, let, me, <laughs> let me just tell you something. This is gonna hurt some of you. But some of you, you need to just lay off of the sports. You really do, because here's the thing. I'm gonna just tell you something. I played college football at University of Central Florida. I was around professional athletes. I was not a professional athlete. I made the team, had some good years. I even tried you know, to play like semi-pro football and stuff, but there's no money there, so I need to get a job. But I've been around professional athletes. Please understand something. You need to look at your genetics. <laughs> if your genetics are 5'8 and white, I'm sorry. It's over. I have experience. I've been around numerous and played against numerous professional football players. 5'8", white, and slow. It's over. Let's go get another job. Stop signing them up for one thing after another. We got some great athletes in this church. One of them's taller. He's like 14. He's tall. I mean, he's literally four or five inches taller than me. I'm like, and he can throw the ball. Stein's in here. How far? How fast can Wesley throw it now? 80s. How old is he? 15. Yeah. Okay. If you're how tall? Six what? Six four. 15. Throws well into the 80s. 
there's hope. There's hope. And they don't even care. And that's part of the reason why there's actually hope, is the science could care less whether he plays professional baseball or not. I'm just telling you, a lot of, a lot of people, they don't train. They just go, they just are busy. One practice to another, one social occasion, they don't train. So they can't distinguish good from evil. Because it says, but solid food, good preaching is for the mature, who by constant use have been able to, tra- to distinguish Good from evil, constant use of what? The gospel. Constant use of good preaching. Constant use of the Bible. Constant use of the Bible being preached to them are now able to distinguish good from evil. They come to you and they've injected American citizens with syphilis and you're gonna follow their orders? I won't follow their orders. Every totalitarian, autocratic dictator does what first? Takes away all your guns. They take away all your guns. So when they come to take away your guns, you should be able to distinguish good from evil. When you are, you are a single male or female, even married male or female, and hoochie mama and, or hoochie papa comes your way, you ought to be able to say, that's evil, no thank you. And then look her in the face and say, hey, you know what, put some clothes on and not everybody should wear yoga pants. You're welcome. Some some people can pull off wearing yoga pants, okay, but not many. It's like most men, leave the shirt on, leave it on. You look like a deflated deflated clown balloon. Let it go. I always have a shirt on. There are a few men, you wanna know whether it's you or not, meet me at the door. There's a few men in here, you're good to go. You could wear it, you could go without a shirt. But most of us. Listen, if you walk around and there's things that are moving involuntarily. <laughs> leave the shirt on. You know, go and watch the episode of Seinfeld where it's bro versus man's ear. Well, I don't want to look like that. Well, pray it away then. But in order to distinguish good from evil, you have to be in training. 15 minutes to go. Everybody good? We're done. 15 minutes. Well, I'm going to pray in 15 minutes. We'll see where the Lord leads. But I'll be done preaching in 15 minutes or less. So stay with me. We live in an inverted world, so it's become more difficult to be able to distinguish good from evil, because good is called evil, and evil is called good. And I know everybody says this. I'm 55, 
Everybody says, well, back in the day, back in the day, it was this way or that way. It was easier. In 1984, it was very easy to distinguish good from evil. We, we didn't have 14-year-old boys and girls going to trans clinics and having their penises, testicles, and breasts lopped off. Didn't have that going on then. There weren't any, those, those clinics didn't even exist. Very low abortion rate. It's very easy to tell what was good or evil. Everyone, everyone just, even people have political and ideological differences. We could all come together and at least say, this was wrong or that was wrong. We may disagree on taxes or various other things, more liberal, more, so, more, more socialist, more capitalistic, more federalist, whatever it is, but we all could say that a guy is a guy and a girl is a girl. We could all do that. We could all agree on that. We could all agree that rampant crime is bad. We would all agree that an open border is not good. We would all agree, every, by the way, everybody did. For those of you who are too young and you don't remember, I'm telling you, Ronald Reagan used to meet regularly with Tip O'Neill, the Speaker of the House. They agreed basically on 90% of things. They didn't agree on, Tip O'Neill wanted, wanted, late, didn't want uh, abortion on demand. He just wanted it in rare situations, which I totally disagree with. I'm burning hell for doing that. I'm just saying, that's, where, that's the only disagreement that they had was basically that, and you know, tax stuff or whatever. But everyone agreed, you know what, it's not smart to have an open border. It's not good to have lawlessness. It's not good to hyperinflate your economy. It's not good to have $34 trillion worth of debt. What was our debt in 2000, anybody know? Less than a trillion in 2000. 23 years later, $34 trillion in debt. That's evil. And that's both sides. It's both sides of the aisle doing that. But because the world is inverted, it's much more difficult now to distinguish good from evil. I have some examples. Safe and effective now means deadly and ineffective. Deadly virus, second coming of the bubonic plague, is a 99.9% survival virus. Closed border, which they say all the time. How many people are crossing per day? Does anybody know? It's 10 to 12,000 per day. Let's make it easy, 10,000 per day. Under the last administration, it was 8,000 per month. Now it's 10,000 per day, and they call it a closed border. It's an inverted world, so you need to be able to distinguish this. We have a booming economy, I keep hearing. <laughs> not, not, not from what I've seen. Democracy now means totalitarianism. In the church, it's inverted Christianity. Christianity now is humanistic love, accommodation, tolerance, and truth avoidance. It's loving to not tell people they're gonna burn in hell when they are. I tell people, that's why they don't come to me for counsel, I guess. If you're gonna burn in hell, I'm gonna tell you you're gonna burn in hell, because I will not be held accountable. James chapter three, verse one. Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. I don't want any part of a more strict judgment. So if you're gonna burn in hell, I'm gonna tell you you're burning in hell. You come up to me and tell me, you know what? Tom, I'm addicted to pornography. Thank God for grace. I'm gonna read you that verse that I just read to you a minute ago. Or I'll, re I'll, I'll, bust, out, I'll bust out 2 Peter chapter 2, 20 through 22. If they have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing 
our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and are again entangled in it and overcome, they are worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to have known it and then to turn their backs on the sacred command that was passed on to them. Of them, the Proverbs are true, a dog returns to its vomit and a sow that is washed returns to her wallowing in the mud. You'll hear that from me. I'm not gonna be held accountable for your sin. I'll tell you, you're gonna burn in hell like that. I'm living with my girlfriend, burn in hell. I don't, Tom, I don't lie very often, but just every April, <laughs> I lie. You only lie once a year, and that once a year lie is gonna send you straight to hell for unrepentant sin. You're welcome. That's the Bible. You cannot believe it, and you can consider that antithetical to Christianity. Does that seem evil to you to serve the Lord? Joshua 24, 15. Shouldn't seem evil to you. She'd be like, you know what? I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to cause other people to go to hell, so I'm going to preach the truth. It may hurt. It hurts. Listen, I've been hell bound before. Anybody else? I've been hell bound before. I'm glad somebody told me I was hell bound. And they did tell me I was. Pentecostal people told me I was hell bound. I didn't like you very much either. I was Catholic, and I'm like, yeah, but I got baptized when I was nine months old. Put sprinkle water on my forehead. I'm good to go. Oh, wait, that's not a Bible verse. Sprinkling water on the forehead? There, sir. Most Christians have conformed to the pattern of the world. The world is inverted, and they've inverted their Christianity. Christianity now means in most churches accommodating sin. God will forgive every sin, but he accommodates no sin. That's why he forgives every sin. Isaiah 5, 20 and 21. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Who put darkness for light and light for darkness. Who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. All the ways of man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirits. Proverbs 16, 2. The word of God determines, the word of God determines what is correct and what is incorrect, what is right, what is wrong, what is sin and what is not. And those who bathe in the word of God can distinguish between good and evil. If you bathe in the Holy Ghost, you speak in tongues, you welcome them into your life. Most Christians, they don't want the Holy Ghost in their life. I'm talking about real saved people. They don't want the Holy Ghost. He's too weird. What if I end up speaking in tongues? What if, what if I end up dancing before the Lord with all my might? Oh, you mean just like the man after God's own heart? That guy? 2 Samuel 6, 14, that guy? Yeah, I think I'll take that. You, you could say that over the last, since I've met Rodney Howard Brown, since he's become my pastor, that I've had humiliating sort of experiences. I have. I've crawled back many times in my chair on all fours. There's 2,000 people there. He brought me up in front of everybody because I was being touched by God, and he said, hey, tell us what's happening. Put his arm around me, and he's got two giant dudes holding me under my armpits because I couldn't stand. And I couldn't say a word, not a word. He knew I couldn't speak, and he was making fun of me because he knows how much I like to talk. My daughter, my daughter Norma, she was with me. She goes, is this normal for him? And she's like, absolutely not. 
I have my kids all the time tell me, enough, Dad. We don't want to hear it again. I'm like, you know, do you want to hear my viewpoints on vaccinations? Uh, no, Dad, we got it. We hear you all the time. You want to know where I stand on Taylor Swift? No, Dad, we got you. So that, people consider, consider that to be humiliating. To me, it's childlike. Being closer to God, Amen. the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. I'm not worried about being humiliated by God. Paul started his ministry, Acts chapter 9, verse 5. It is hard for you to kick against the goads, Paul, as he's laying on the ground, knocked off his horse. It's kind of humiliating for a Pharisee of Pharisees. That's the way a lot of Christians are. They're Pharisees of Pharisees. They don't want the Holy Ghost then. He's too humiliating. I'm going to speak in tongues. I'm going to be guided. Like in John chapter 3, verse 8, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot, hear, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is led by the Spirit. I won't be in control anymore. No, that's right. God's going to open up doors for you and close doors for you, whether you like it or not. Or you can be Lord. You can receive Jesus as Savior and not as Lord. Which does that mean you're really saved? That's God's determination. I receive Jesus as Lord. Where do you want me to go, God? I didn't even want to pastor this church. I want to do 25 years sheriff's office, 25 years in one day, which is exactly what I did, and move to Wyoming. Never to be seen again by humanity. <laughs> Aaron would be my next door neighbor because our worship leader has the same mindset I do. You're like, shouldn't you guys be people, people, people? Maybe, but I guess all the cool people aren't available. Maybe all the people, people are unwilling to tell people the truth for fear of the societal consequences. I love people, but God had to tell me, you're going to pastor this church. Uh, oh, we're going to readdress that later in prayer, Lord. For six months, I prayed over it. Six months, I prayed, Lord, do you want me to start this church? And I got here, they knew that he did. So eventually, I said, God, do you want me to start this church? And he said, either do it, quote, either do it or don't do it, but never ask me again. Because for six months, I was trying the Lord. I was like Moses. Yeah, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel, Psalm 78, 41. God's like, enough, do it or don't do it. What would I have missed? And I do, listen, I, I love people. I do, I love them. But I'm also fine without them. You can ask all the people who know me. Which is why it's very easy for me to preach. It's very easy for me to preach because I'm not worried about it. Tom, everybody can leave. Okay, I mean, if that's what they wanna do, that's what they wanna do. My gifts and my call are irrevocable. God will always provide. As mean as I am, God has always given me a congregation. It's weird, isn't it? You're like, how can that be? I don't know. He's the God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. With him, all things are possible. I'll try to finish right here. Are these things good or evil? You're gonna distinguish between good or evil, so let's go back to our list. I will finish right here in three minutes. Poverty, disease, infirmity, lack of knowledge, bad marriages, stupidity, depression, anxiety, 
Good or evil? evil. Okay, they're all evil. Tom, that's mean. You can't say that people who are diseased are evil. I didn't say the people are evil. I said those things are evil. I've been sick before. I look at that sickness as evil, not me. I don't want any evil in my life. How do you tell whether they're good or evil? How do you tell? Did Jesus leave them in place or take them away? You didn't answer. Come on. Did Jesus leave these things in place or take them away? He took up your infirmities and carried your diseases. Matthew chapter 8, verse 17. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. Anxiety and depression. For God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. So if he took these things away, then they are evil. There you go. You just distinguished between good and evil. That's it. I told you I'd be done. I actually made it. I know I usually say three minutes, and it's usually 17. But today I said three minutes, and I actually did it in two. And let me say this. Aaron just sent me 354 people watching with you right now, live. Love you all. God bless you all. Stay with us. Don't go to any other church unless it's just like this one. And I mean just like this one. So many times people say, we're going to a church that's just like you, Tom. And I watch them, I'm like, just like me. <laughs> Hell wasn't said one time. Healing wasn't said one time. God wants you well wasn't said one time. God wants you wealthy wasn't said one time. You, you win every time. Now, thanks be unto God, which always has caused, causes us to triumph, was never said one time. That ain't like this church. He may be loud, he may be pudgy, but he ain't like me. He may have perfect hair that you couldn't move. Hurricane Ian could be blowing right now. My hair won't move. But it ain't like me. He may have helmet head, but he ain't like me. You're welcome. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Praise you, Lord. Christians, you should be praying. You should be praying your socks off right now. Praise you, Lord. Where are you at with God today? Maybe you're one of those stone-cold people while we were worshiping this morning because things aren't right between you and God. Listen, just because your parents didn't get it right, don't blame Jesus for your parents. The Christianity that I was raised with was garbage. Well, then it wasn't Christianity. Don't blame Jesus for people. Do you need to get right with God this morning? How do you know? It's very simple. It's not hard. Are you living in unrepentant sin? Well, I've been saved. Listen, you're not saved if you're living in unrepentant sin. I've read you the verses. I'm a Christian, but I live in unrepentant sin. That right there makes you not a Christian. You may have an admiration of Jesus and respect of the faith, but you are not a Christian if you're living in unrepentant sin. I didn't say struggle with sin. That you sin, dropped a couple F-bombs, got it right. Watched porn one night and then got it right. I'm not talking about struggling with sin. I'm talking about concession to sin. A life 
style of sin. I warn you now, as I've warned you before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Galatians 5.21. If that is you, you're not saved. You're not saved. And maybe you could call it backslidden. You were, and you backslidden your way out of the faith. It's called apostasy. 1 Timothy chapter 4, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 are both entitled The Great Apostasy, The Great Falling Away. If that's you and you need to get your life right with God, you were saved, but you've fallen away. Now is your time to get right. Tom, that's a really hardcore statement. It's not me. It's not me. It's the Word of God saying it, not me. It's Jesus because Jesus is the Word. 1 John 5, 7, Jesus is the word. It's Jesus saying it. And it's time for you to come home. Maybe you've never been saved. Or maybe you've acted like you're saved. You never were. Your parents might think you are, but you know that you're not. Now's your time to really get saved. Maybe you're not interested in fraud at all. You've just never been saved. Now is your time. I'm not gonna bring you forward so you can relax. Nobody's gonna know it's you so you can, I promise you, nobody outside of me is going to know that it's you. I don't want you to know, Tom, because you're my friend or you know me. The man standing before you is chief among sinners. It's just no longer credited to my account. So don't worry about what I think. If you need to get your life right with God this morning, now is your time. It's called born again. It's called being saved. Or it's called recommitting your life to the Lord. It's called repenting. Now is your moment. If that's you, this is the only thing I'm gonna ask you to do. Right here, right now. The only physical thing I'm gonna ask you to do is right here. Right where you're at. I'm the only one looking around. I'm your witness. Right where you're at. Stretch your hand in the air if it's you. You wanna get your life right with God. I got you. Hands going up all over the room. I got you. 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 Got you. You put them down. Got you. Those of you who lifted up your hands, we're gonna pray this prayer out loud. The whole church is gonna pray it with you. I told you, nobody will know, but, it, but, but you, me, and God. The entire church is gonna pray this prayer out loud. You pray it, you mean it, and you are saved. Everybody, here we go. Lord Jesus, I ask you right now to come into my life and be my Lord and be my Savior. I ask you to forgive me for all of my sins and I now turn from them and I give you my life from this day on in Jesus' name. Church shouts.